still feels like a family to me. And so, man, it's good to be a part of the family with you today. And just over the past week or so, and even since we talked about me coming up here, man, God has just put something on my heart to share with you today. And I'm just, I'm just really excited for what's going to be happening in these moments. Um, before I get started, I just got to tell you, I've hit the nails. My wife would be so proud. Tomorrow is my 24th wedding anniversary. So 24 years today, I was starting to panic and freak out. <laughs> my, um, my dad, he was really cool. He, he did a lot of traveling, so he, he had a lot of frequent flyer mileage. So he gave us two tickets to anywhere in the continental U.S. we wanted to go. And we were up in Cincinnati at the time, Cincinnati, Ohio, so we figured we wanted to go as far away as we possibly could. So we went to uh, San Francisco area, and we figured, you know, Alcatraz seems a lot like marriage, so we should go. We didn't get the tour of Alcatraz, but as we were planning the trip, everybody kept telling us, dude, you got to go see Big Sur. And so we were like, this was before internet where you could figure that out. So, you know, we had the AAA triptych, anybody? Yeah, that's what we had. And so um, we were playing, we had the rental car, which was kind of a challenge because I was 22, trying to rent a car was tricky. And so we rented a car and we, like, I'm that scheduled guy on vacation. Anybody? Like where it's like, we get up at nine o'clock, we've got three hours to do Big Sur and then we've got to do this and that, right? So I've got it scheduled out. So we woke up one morning. I said, we got the time, we got to get going. We're driving to Big Sur today. We're going to experience Big Sur, whatever is there. We don't even know. So I'm driving to Big Sur. It's, it's a little annoying because the road is super windy, and there's this person in front of us who's going so stinking slow. And, man, I'm riding their bumper, and I just I want to pass, but it's so curvy I can't really do it. So I'm just, like, honking the horn, flashing the lights, and still just slow. I'm just, like, I don't know what I can do to speed them up. Finally, <laughs> finally we get to Big Sur. And we see the sign, it says Big Sur, and we drive, and there's this convenience store, and we keep driving, and there's nothing. And I look at my wife and say, what's supposed to be a Big Sur? And she said, I don't have any idea. She said, well, let's go back and ask. So we went back to the convenience store, and what we discovered was there were two things at the time in Big Sur, a convenience store and, like, a nudist colony camp. (laughs) We stopped at the right place, apparently. (laughs) And so I looked at this convenience store guy, and I was like, why did everybody keep telling us, like, I've only got like an hour to experience this. Um, Why did everybody keep telling us we had to come to Big Sur? I don't get it. He's like, I don't have a clue. And I'm thinking, all my friends are playing this mean joke on me back home. And then he said, you know what? Where'd you come from? I said, we were from San Francisco. He said, probably you were supposed to enjoy the ride and the scenery on the way to Big Sur because there's nothing in Big Sur. And I looked at him and I thought, huh, that's why that dude was driving slow. And then this, this occurred to me. I missed it. I missed all the scenery. I missed the entire view because I was so in a hurry to get there that I missed what was happening in the journey. And I wonder if that hits you in a place that it hits me because I wonder if God is moving in your life and active in your life and giving you blessings and there are miracles happening around your life and maybe God is speaking to you on a regular basis in your life and you're so concerned about the future that the present becomes a means to get there. 
and you just, you don't even see it. You, you completely miss it. Um, I think it was like three or four years ago, I think maybe 3013, I saw this video and it just stuck in my head. Let me set this up. I want you to see this video. This, I love this video. Um, this is one of those videos where the guy is in a hospital bed, and he just got done having hernia surgery. That's funny already, right? And uh, he's waking up from the anesthesia, and his wife is standing there filming him. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? It doesn't matter. They're all the same. They're hilarious. I love that video. <laughs> And honestly, it terrifies me, too. Mostly because I, I don't want that to look like the conversation I have with Jesus when I meet him for the first time. Like, I don't want to go, you did, you did what? He's like, well, remember when I blessed you? And I go, uh, I remember praying for you, too. I remember you not doing it. He's like, no, 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 I blessed you. you. You were a favorite of mine. You were a favored child. Do you remember those miracles that were happening all around you? And I'm like, oh, the spiritual amnesia. I, uh, we're married? Like, I don't want that to be what it looks like. As a matter of fact, what I'm looking for, and I hope that you're looking for, is, man, I want to live life today where I'm seeing where God is working. And I'm hearing his voice every day, right? And I'm seeing miracles happen around me. Do you believe that miracles are happening around you right now? Do you believe that God is talking to you right now? Do you believe that God is blessing you right now? Do you? The truth is he is. And they are happening. And he is speaking. The question is, are you missing it? The question is, do you see it? Now, here's what we're going to do today. And I think this is, this is great. Um, we're going to be landing in Luke chapter 10. And Jesus gives a few words in Luke chapter 10 that honestly, if you begin to apply to your life, even starting this afternoon, I promise, even starting this afternoon, you will begin to expand your capacity to hear God's voice and to see him moving. There's just like one sentence in Luke chapter 10 that Jesus says, and if you can start applying it, let me just tell you, you will start to see God and hear God in a completely different way. I I promise, I promise. So are you ready for that? Man, me too, me too. Let's start here. We're in Luke chapter 10. This may actually feel familiar to you, but don't be deceived. There's something here that's, that's for you so you can expand your capacity. Here's the story. Now, just to set it up, Jesus has just finished his, like, Middle Eastern speaking tour, and he's just coming back into town, and Martha, who's a big fan, you know, fan club member um, on his Facebook, you know, runs the thing, uh, he's coming in town, and she's like, she's like, Jesus, you're in town. There's no warning. He didn't send an Evite. There was no registration, RSVP for him. He just said, he just showed up, and Martha said, Come to my house. Here's what it says in Scripture. As Jesus and the disciples, he's bringing his posse with him. Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, here's how I remember Martha. Because Martha, her personality, is a whole lot like Martha Stewart. Right? So when Jesus came in, the napkins had to be folded just right. There had to be towel animals on the bed. 
um, the rim of the toilet had to actually be clean. The dirt floor needed to be swept, and the soup needed to be just ready for Jesus, right? Just Martha Stewart. Just think Martha Stewart. And so last minute, Jesus shows up. Oh, my goodness, Jesus is here. You should totally come over. Oh, my goodness, what did I just say? Right? And ladies, you've been there, right? Men, you've been there. Thanksgiving dinner, everybody's coming to your place. You know the panic. You know how your children hate you in those moments. (laughs) Isn't it true? Because you all of a sudden are telling them what they should and shouldn't do. And places of the house that have never been cleaned get cleaned. This is Martha right now. She's in panic mode, only she didn't get warning. It's like right now, right on her, Jesus and his posse are coming over. Oh, my goodness. Now look at this next verse. She has this sister. Her name is Mary. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now, don't we all have this person Thanksgiving dinner again? Everybody's coming over. There's always one person in the family who's playing the Xbox while everybody's working. It's the teenage son or the husband, usually. <laughs> they're just not feeling the panic that everybody else is feeling. And they're just sitting there. And here's Mary. She's just hanging out at Jesus' feet. So do you see the tension? Martha, Martha Stewart, everything's got to be perfect. The toilet room still hasn't been done. And Mary's just sitting there. It's Jesus, not the Xbox, but still. Next verse. This is my favorite. This is my favorite because my kids do this. Martha was distracted by all the big dinners she was preparing. Again, she's got a lot on her mind. So she comes to Jesus and says, here's the picture. Jesus is sitting there. Mary is right there. She doesn't even talk to Mary. She talks to Jesus. She says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you, you know, being the God of justice and all, that my sister just sits here while I I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. Now, I I know Martha in her head is like, listen, I follow Jesus' speeches. He's got a bunch, but there's one thread that runs through all of them. It's the servanthood thing, and she's probably thinking, Jesus, listen, I know you've got this amazing servanthood talk. I've heard it a billion times. I'm not sure Mary heard it. Or she's not applying it. So probably she needs a redo on it. Jesus, give the servanthood talk right now. Go. And have her help me. Right? So that's what's happening. Now listen to Jesus' response. Because this, this is classic. Here's what he says. Next slide. But the Lord said to Martha. And I hear this as like just such a compassionate voice from Jesus. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. Here in this one verse, Jesus describes it. He describes your problem. He describes my problem. and describes the reason that we don't hear Jesus, the reason that we don't see his blessing, the reason we don't experience the miracles and we see the miracles. It's right here in this verse. I don't know if you see it. Let Let me break it down for you even more than you've probably ever broken it down before. See this word worried? You see it right there? It's in yellow. I did that just for you in case you didn't know how to read. The word in yellow is the word worried. In the Greek, let me show you what that word is. In the Greek, it's this. Uh, That's the pronunciation, marimnao, but I'm from Texas, so it's marimnao, right? 
And here's what it means. To be anxious, to divide, to separate into parts, and to cut into pieces. Now, let me tell you one place where this word is used in Scripture. I love this. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? There's Jesus. He's like, what are we going to eat? I don't even know what we're going to eat. Finally, five loaves and a couple fish show up, right? And here's what Scripture says. Jesus took the loaves and the fish. He blessed it, and then they use this word. Mary Manao. He divided it. He broke it into two. It was one, now it's two. It's divided. So it's interesting to me that the very word that means worry means to be divided. Now let me ask you a question. Do you know what it do you know what it feels like to be divided? Maybe it feels like this right here. That may not seem like a worried person, but there's a lot on her mind, isn't there? She's driving, she's drinking, she's riding, there's a cell phone going on. There's a lot happening and moms Americans, we are multitasking people. There's a lot on us. Honestly, we're divided. A lot. Even as you sit here today, you may have a phone vibrating in your pocket, right? You may be checking a Facebook post. You're you're feeling just a little bit divided. Happy America, that's where we are. We live in a world of being divided. And hear the compassionate voice of Jesus. Go back to the verse again. Hear the compassionate voice of Jesus when he says, Martha, Martha, Martha. You're so divided. Like I'm sitting here in this room and I'm just talking to some people, but I see you. You're thinking about the towel animals that still need to be folded. You're thinking about the soup and how it might burn or the dirt floor that needs swept or the toilet room. You are everywhere. Like, I can see it. Your brain is there. Your brain is there. And part of you wants to be here. But honestly, Martha, I'm only getting maybe 5% of you. And I know you're doing all this for me, right? But you're not here. You're divided. You're divided. You hear the compassion in his voice. Jesus is looking at her saying, Martha, oh, I want something so different for you, but right now, you're divided. But then you just stop there. Because that would be enough for me, I think. You? Yeah? But he doesn't stop there. Here's what he does next. He says, um, you are worried and upset. He, like, diagnoses her right then and there. You're divided and you're upset. Now, let's look at this word upset. This word upset is amazing. This is the word thorabazo. Let's say that together because it's so fun to say. One, two, three. You're like a bunch of monks. It's perfect. Here's what thorabazo means. It means disquieted, troubled, disturbed. I love these images right here at the end. The noise of a person wailing, a clamorous multitude, or a rioting crowd. Jesus looks at Martha and says, you're so divided. And it's almost as if in the back of your head, you've got this rioting crowd screaming at you. Or maybe even this guy right here. Look at these voices screaming. Um, I was in Cincinnati in 1990. Does anybody know what happened in Cincinnati in 1990? Anybody? Let me just say, that's the one time that the Reds won the World Series. As a matter of fact, I went back to the Reds game this past summer, and they have this souvenir cup 
that says World Series champions in real and small letters, it says 1990. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Uncle Rico, stop. It's time to win again. <laughs> I remember I was sitting in a Bible college dorm and we were watching on this tiny little tube TV and they won. And so we went outside of our little Bible college dorm and we started screaming out loud and we were the only four or five people doing it. So that felt really uneventful. <laughs> so we looked down at the city and it was right there and we thought, you know what, we should totally, that's where we need to scream. We need to scream right there in Fountain Square. So we hopped in our car and we drove down there. It was packed. These people had been drinking for the past three hours, and now they had all gathered together on Fountain Square. And it was crazy. I remember watching one guy climb one of these light poles, and then it was one of those light poles where the, the stoplight hangs up over, like really classic-like stoplight hangs over the street. He kind of went to, and started swinging, and the whole stoplight hit the ground. And we were like, this is awesome. <laughs> And they're chanting, and they're pushing, and they're shoving. And then I turn around, and there's this whole line of police in riot gear. And we go, uh-oh. <laughs> and they start pushing us away. Like, let me tell you something. When there's a crowd of people chanting and screaming, you pay attention. Let me show you a picture. This is a picture of a crowd of people. I think it's in Madrid. And just imagine you're one of those policemen right there, and this crowd of people is chanting and screaming toward you. Let me promise you something you're going to do right then and there. You're going to pay attention. You're going to hear them. This is a picture of uh, what happened in Charlotte um, last year when there were riots in Charlotte. Next next slide. Um, when, when people are coming at you screaming and waving their fists, let me tell you, you're going to pay attention. And honestly, this is true. true this, is, this happens all throughout, not just in Charlotte, but if you don't pay attention, look at this next one. Eventually, something is going to burn. And that's just how it is. Because one day, you're going to pay attention, whatever it takes. Now, if you would go back to the scripture, that one scripture again, I want you to see this. So Jesus is saying this, Martha, Martha, Martha. You're so divided. And you've got these voices screaming at you from all different sides. The toilet is screaming at you. If you don't clean me, you're going to look like an idiot. If there's no towel animal, Jesus is not going to think you're creative anymore. These voices all attached to these different jobs are screaming at you as if it's 10,000 people coming at you with fists raised. And if you don't do it, something will eventually burn. So I thought about this. And Jesus is honestly so compassionate, isn't he? And I don't think he's doing it in judgment or he's pointing a finger. I think instead he's like, oh, I just want something different for you. You're so divided. You got all these voices. It's just not peaceful. I want something different. And I started thinking a little bit about um, like these circus performers that spin plates. You know what I'm talking about? The circus is actually dead now. Um, but I, I thought about it and I figured, you know, with YouTube and all, I could probably do that. So why not, right? So I've got, I'm going to try this one handed. Ready for this? So I, if, I, if I nail this, I expect applause. If I drop it, don't laugh. 
too early. Let's do that. Now, let me just tell you what's happening right now. Oh, my goodness. Okay, what's happening right now is um, I'm trying to talk to you because I'm the voice of the day. And I'm trying to say something meaningful to you right now. And honestly, in this very moment, I'm a little divided. Because part of my attention is focused on this thing. I don't want it to stop spinning or I'm going to look like a moron when it falls. And there's a voice attached to this plate. Like if I start paying attention to you too much, the voice from behind me says, pay attention, I'm about to fall. I'm about, and I want to just draw my attention to that plate. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, let, me, let me introduce you to a guy that you know very well, Colton. Come on up. He's going to be my stagehand for the day. Just start setting, start setting a business up. Now here's the truth. I don't know if your life looks like that, but I think Mary's or Martha's did. She was so divided, wasn't she? And she had these voices from all different aspects of her life just screaming at her from every side. Now, it's easy to kind of get an idea of what this might look like if it's one plate. But anybody at all here just have one plate they have to spin? I was going to kick you out if you raised your hand. (laughs) Glad you didn't. Really, um, we're all juggling a lot of different plates, not just one. And the truth is, each of these plates all has a voice attached to it, doesn't it? Now, here's the truth. This is what my life looks like. The day I'm coming home from work, every day, every day when I'm coming home from work, this is what my life looks like. I I think maybe you can relate. The first thing that's on my mind when I'm coming home from work is honestly work. Thank you. It's honestly work. Like every day I leave the job, there's stuff that's left undone, right? And I'm thinking about all of the stuff that still needs to happen, the conversations, the emails that need to go out, all of that stuff that needs to happen. Every day stuff gets left undone. And I've got to keep this plate spinning because if it crashes and burns, something is definitely going to catch on fire, right? So that plate is super important to me. Then usually I stop at a stoplight. And whenever I stop at a stoplight, I pull out my phone and I check Facebook. Oh, wow, look at that. (laughs) Come on, give me a hand for that. That was awesome. So I check Facebook, right? Don't you? Because if I haven't posted, then everyone's going to think I'm dead. (laughs) So somewhere in the back of my mind, honestly, this is spinning. So I've got my job and all the pressures and all the conversations that haven't happened. I've got Facebook happening over here. And then I pull into my driveway. I pull into my driveway, and the lawn, like, loses my children at so long, right? And I start thinking about all the home maintenance stuff that hasn't been done that I need to do. I pull, This is every day. Job, Facebook, lawn. And already, just right now, I'm, I'm divided. I'm paying attention to all of it. And then, hello, there's my children and my wife, <laughs> 24 years, she kind of takes a back seat after a while. The kids, man, they have homework. They're like, Daddy, I need you. I want this. I want that. Give me money. Can I have the car keys? You know, the whole deal. 
and I've got all of this going on. And then all of a sudden, my wife calls me and says, it's time for dinner. And I sit down and I go, all right, let's eat. And in the back of my head, I'm, st- I'm here, but I'm not. I'm divided, and each one of these has a voice screaming at it. And if you watch and I stay forward, it'll start screaming at you too, won't it? Those of you who are OCD, those of you who are OCD, it really screamed right there. Right? It starts screaming. And as the plates start dropping, panic starts to ensue, and you're like, I can't lose my job and my children. But if HOA or Facebook, whatever. And I wonder if Jesus would look at me in my normal routine of American life and say, Dave, Dave, Dave. You're so divided. You've got all these voices screaming at you. Then look at what Jesus says. Look at this next verse because I think it's critical. Then Jesus looks at Martha and with compassion says this. There's only one thing that you need to be concerned about. I wonder if Jesus in this moment was saying, Martha, one thing at a time. And look what Mary has chosen. She's chosen the best of one thing's. One thing at a time. I wonder if Jesus would, if he were looking at us right now, he might even look at us as Americans, right? This is like crack for us. We do this every day. He might look at us and say, you're so divided. You've got all these voices screaming at you from every direction. You can never be still. You can never just hear. You can never hear the voice of God or see the blessings of God or hear the miracles of God because you're just so everywhere. Jesus is in the house and you're missing it. Jesus is here and you're everywhere and toilets and towel figures and soup and Jesus is here. He's speaking and you're not even in the room. I wonder if Jesus would look at us and say, I want something so different for you. One thing at a time. Maybe he would say this. Maybe he would say this next line. Wherever you are, be there. Wherever you are, be there. Like, don't use the present as a means to get to the future. Wherever you are, be there. I wonder if you started applying this starting today, how things would change. Is it possible that you would begin hearing Jesus' voice a little bit louder? Sitting on the sidelines of the soccer field, my 16-year-old is playing soccer. For years I had prayed that she would get good at soccer. And, man, I have sat through so many soccer games that, like, I hate it now. I mean, I love her. I hate the game. Um, And so I'm sitting there in the soccer game, and it's just this one game after another. I'm in that chair that you do the fold-out. And they're playing like they do. And, honestly, like crack, I don't even know why why I do this, but I grab my phone slide it open, hit Instagram, start scrolling through everybody else's life. 
And then I'm haunted by this thought, wherever you are, be there. <laughs> Sometimes I hate preaching because of that. And I go, all right, fine. Put my phone down. I'm like, I'm at the soccer game. I'm going to be here. And I see my daughter shoot a goal. She misses. But she shot the goal. Then she grabbed the ball and she ran it from one side of the field all the way to the other uninterrupted. And I thought, I almost missed that. And I've been praying for that. And I almost missed it right there. Because I was divided. And would you know it, 10 minutes later, I experienced the blessing of God like, like an addict. I'm pulling out the phone again going, what is up? Why, why am I doing this? Why can't I just be here? And I wonder if Jesus would look and say, stop. You're so divided. Your phone is screaming at you. They call this next generation the HD generation. You know why? They call it the head down generation. LifeGate, you want to expand your capacity to experience God? To see his blessings, to see the miracles, to hear his voice. You will never hear Jesus' voice if you're not in the room. If you're divided. If you're here and there and everywhere, you're divided. You'll never experience his voice. So let me just tell you right now. As you go to lunch, listen, you're going to go to lunch today. You'll be gathered around. Somebody's going to pull out their phone and flip on Facebook. Slap them hard. Everybody, just hit them. You have my permission. Wherever you are, be there. I think sometimes God speaks in just a slow, quiet whisper. And you won't hear it if you're not there. Let me just tell you, with all the love and compassion that I have, I want that for you. God is moving all around you. You are a favored child. You are worth dying for. He is blessing you. There are miracles happening around you. And let me just tell you, God is speaking to you. And as a pastor, I don't want you to miss it. I want you to hear it clearly. And the only way that will happen is if wherever you are, you're there.